so we've been looking at this idea of good news for a change that changes us. And I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the, our key verses again uh, one more time. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. <clears throat> it says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This is good news, right? Good news of great joy. And I tell you what, I think, I think we need to like focus in on that and, and meditate on that and, and ask God, what is this great joy? Because I want some of it. I don't know about you, but I could use a little joy in my life. Could you? You're all way up here already, and you're going, wow, I'm so happy already. I can't take it anymore. I might explode or something. You know, interesting thing about that word for great joy, that the word great is mega. So where we use that word mega, right? I remember Bill Kinnaman used to say mega blessings at the end of his letters. He would sign it, mega blessings. It's the same word, mega joy. Now, I don't know. I just don't know. Some of us are like, well, a little bit of joy, maybe, every now and then. But he says good news of mega joy. That's what I want. I want what he, what he wants. I want what he has to give to me and to all of us, really. So part one, we looked at this. We, we asked, well, what is the good news? And really, it's this, right? That a Savior has been born. That's what the good news is. A Savior that has been born. He's Christ the Lord. And that's the, that's the good news. That's the heart of the good news that, that Jesus came to the earth, right? That he died upon a cross. That he paid for our sin. That he was buried and then he rose again from the dead. And all we need to do is trust and believe in him. That's the good news, right? That's the heart of the good news. We make it so complicated and everything. Listen, some good news that we can hold on to that doesn't change. It's not on the, again, the news cycle that changes every week, every day. It's some news that lasts forever and ever. That Jesus will rescue us if we trust in him. Part two was that fact that was promised. And, and for hundreds and hundreds of years, it was predicted, and, and Orlando was kind of alluding to that in, in the fact that the Scripture kind of has these prophetic uh, voices, this scarlet thread of redemption all the way back to Gen from Genesis all the way through, that this Messiah would come, that this answer, this Savior would come. And that Jesus, when he came, he fulfilled the prophecies like no one else could do. And we looked at kind of the odds of that ever happening. And it's really mind-boggling, really, what he came and what he actually did. And, and, and it... It really puts, it puts him in a completely different uh, category than any other spiritual leader. There really is none that compare. None. Not one single one compares to this one that came. No one like him ever. That's what kind of has stuck with me uh, through uh, studying these verses and what it was all about. And then the, the, uh, the third part we looked at last Sunday was the fact that the wait is over, that, that this, this good news was provided. It actually got here. It came. It's here. The wait is over. We don't have to wait anymore. That it is a longing fulfilled. It's interesting. I, I quoted those verses from Proverbs, you know, that you know, uh, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? 
And, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And then the other verse was that longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul. Well, some people came to me and said, all I got out of your message was hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> I'm going, whoa, that's awesome. No, I didn't say that. But, you know, that's kind of where we are. Because we don't really realize that he's come. He's here. He's, he's here for you. He's here for me today, each and every day in our lives. And, and the wait is over. A longing fulfilled is a tree of life, sweet to the soul. My question that day, as it is today, is, yeah, the wait is over, but what are we waiting for? Because he's already here. Why would we go keep, continue to search in all these different you know, ways and places to find that hope, to find that longing fulfilled because he's here. He's here for you and he's here for me. Doesn't get any simpler than that, does it? Really? I don't think so. So today, I want to ask a, I want to ask a question in our final part of this series is, is, do you have a story? Do you have a story? Do I have a story? Is there a story of God's work in your life? That's, that's a big question, right? That's a very personal question. And, but you know what? I love to hear people's stories. It's just it's incredible. I love it. We call it, sometimes we call it what? A testimony. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes it kind of daunting. Well, can you share your testimony? Well, the truth about it is it's just our story. It's, our, it's what God is doing in my life. It's that I have something that's happened to me. And so for the fourth and final part of this uh, series, I want to look at this good news that is proclaimed, you see. It's proclaimed. It's, it's not something that we keep to ourselves. If we really understand what it is that we're talking about here, it's not something that we're just going to keep to ourselves. Why? Because it has impact. It has worldwide impact. It has spiritual impact. But not only that, it has eternal impact for the lives of people around us. If we truly understood what we're talking about here, this good news, this beautiful news that we sang about. Look there in verses uh, 16 and 17. We looked at these uh, on Christmas Eve as well, but there's something that, that brings us to this thought, brings us to this idea. Verses 16 and 17. So they hurried off, they being the shepherds, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, or after they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were amazed. Look, jump down to verse 20. It says, the shepherds returned. They went back to work glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. See, these simple, ordinary shepherds, it, it, uh, I don't think any of them were named Billy. Right? Could have been. But it's not a very Hebrew-sounding name. So, you see, this gives me hope. 
Simple, ordinary shepherds. They were just doing their job and they had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus changed their lives, even as a little baby, just being near him, changed their lives. They praised and glorified God. But it says that when they had heard and, and uh, when they had seen, it says they spread the word concerning these things. They spread the word. They told someone else. Say, oh no, we're getting to the challenging part now, aren't we? It's great for me to take the good news, you mean, but i got to tell somebody else? Well, you don't have to. But if you and I have something that's good, as good as we say that it is, why wouldn't we? That's the question, huh? Now, he's not saying that, that we have to have a three-point sermon, right? I'm not even sure what a three-point sermon is. I'm just kidding. You and I, we don't have to have a three-point sermon to tell someone what's happened in our lives. We all have a story. It's just my life. What's happened in my life? That in 1976, a friend told me that, that I should go and listen. And I, and I went and I heard what they told me. I heard what they said. And then I opened my heart and life to Jesus in 1976, September 1st, and I said, okay, if you are who they say you are, then I want to... I want you to prove yourself to me. I want to see it for real, if it's really real. That's kind of foolish to talk like that to God, of course, but I didn't know any better. And before you have a relationship with God, I mean, what do you know? You don't know anything, right? And I, and I said that to, to the Lord, and, and you know what? He did. He proved himself to me. And that was how many years ago, for you mathematicians? <clears throat> It's a long time ago. And, and you know what? He's still, he's still proving himself to me today. He's still showing me uh, his love and his grace and his mercy and his working in my life today. I have a story today. It wasn't just my story ended, you know, on September 2nd. And I'm always going to tell you about that one day. That's a very special day. Don't um, misunderstand but you know what? It's not one day. It's been the whole life that God has been faithful to me from that day to this day and taking care of me and do, you know, showing me his, his plan for my life, providing for me. That's what they did. You know, it, it was very new, very fresh, very real for them. And they, they, when they had seen him, it says they spread the word concerning what had been told them. We heard about it. Let me tell you what happened. You know, that's really as simple as it is. Again, I want, I want, I want e each of us to be realized, and the, and the enemy throws fear at us. I understand that. We're all afraid. Well, what's there to be afraid about? Hey, God's done something in my life. Okay, that's all, the, that's all I know. I don't know the finer points of, you know, theology, the doctrine of transubstantiation. Some of you know what that is. I'm not a proponent of that, just so you know. But it's not about that, is it? It's about the simple truth that God, God is real and that he's done something in my life. Now, I have to say that if, he, if, if you don't have a story, well, then you don't have anything to tell. And that just tells me that you need to get a story. 
In other words, you need to open your life to Jesus and say, well, listen, if what he's saying is true, then you prove yourself to me too because I, I want God in my life. I want hope for the future. I want God to, to change me and to forgive me of all my sin because I'm a rotten, filthy sinner just like everybody else is. No different. We're all the same. We're all sinners. They spread the word, you see. I, you know, I... I, I mentioned this, who, who did they tell? I think it was just whoever would listen. You know, to tell our story, what we've heard and what we've seen. You know, we heard what God said in his word, and then we saw that he came into my life and he did something, and he's doing something today. It's just that simple. What about the woman at the well? Let's turn, let's turn to the next gospel, the gospel of John chapter 4. And the woman at the well... She had an encounter with Jesus Christ as well. No pun intended. But it changed her life. It changed her life. We're not going to read the whole story. It's pretty much uh, the whole chapter here, really, but, <clears throat> or most of the chapter. And in uh, chap chapter 4, verse 28... She had had this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus knew everything about her, and she thought, you know, wow, what is going on? This guy knows everything about me. Of course he knows everything about you and me, too. Everything. But in verse 28, it says, Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town, and she said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ, the Messiah? Come and see a man. Verse 30, they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. See, I've got, a, I've got the wrong verse marked on my thing. Let's see if I don't have it up there either. Jump down to verse 39. I had 29 written here. Verse 39, jump down there. So she, that's all she told them. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She, again, didn't have a, a fantastic... Even testimony. She didn't have a fantastic sermon prepared. She just said, you got to see this. Something, you know, he, he knew everything about me. He, 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 I could sense there was something about this man, Jesus. Look at verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And her testimony was simply this. He told me everything I ever did. That's what happened. All she was telling them was what happened to her. Because when you go back and read the story, that's what happened. You can't tell somebody something that didn't happen. That's, that's dishonest. But you can tell some, somebody about what happened to you. Listen, I don't know, but and I, you know, I don't know about you, and I don't know about your situation, but all I, all I know is that you know, I, I called out to Jesus, and he, and he came to me, he answered me. And he's in my life, and he helps me every single day. Now, I, maybe I can't explain it all to you very well, but, but, I, but God loves me. And because he loves me, I just love him back because he's done so much for me. He came and gave his life for me. That's all I can tell you. I don't know any more than that. Many believed because of her testimony. You see, if she had just kept it to herself, then what? Then what? But look at the next uh, verse 
Uh, actually, jump down to verse... Uh, let's go to verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, that is Jesus, to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They got a little, little revival breaking out there, right? Well, I guess that's, you know, Jesus was there. That's to be expected. But I find this interesting. Look at verse 42. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is, what? The Savior of the world. Isn't that what we've been looking at in Luke chapter 2? But notice that. They said they, they believed because of what she told them, but, but then it got beyond that, right? There comes a point when it has to be, get beyond what somebody tells you where it becomes your own personal life, your own personal experience, your own reality. They said, we believe because of what you said, but you know what? Now we know for ourselves because we went to him ourselves and we had our own encounter face-to-face with Jesus. Ultimately, you can't do it for somebody else anyways, right? Ultimately, I can't believe for you. You can't believe for me. We can encourage one another, and, 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 and when we're going through a dark time, perhaps, you know, my faith will, can maybe shore you up, and, and your faith can shore me up when I'm going through a hard time. And I think that's part of what, what Alex was talking about, the body strengthening each other, carrying one another's burdens. But it became real to them. And again, when you're hearing this, you say, well, I don't really have a story at all. Well, maybe you don't, but you can. You can, but you, but you need to have your own, you, you need to make your own decision, right, and go to Jesus yourself. That's the only way. The people around you, all you can do is, is, is share your story, and, and they have to make a decision. Well, I, I'm going to check that out. I want to see if it's really real, right? You know, there's a, a verse in uh, Revelation chapter 12, and it's, you know, uh, Orlando was talking about, you know, the great tribulation and, and the stuff that's, ra- the radical stuff that is going to happen on this earth. I mean, we, we can't even get a, our minds around that, but, but, it, but the, re- the book of Revelation kind of explains and tells us in, in uh, prophetic terms and, and, and to see, but, but in Revelation chapter 12, it says this, Now I, I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them, that's the enemy, before our God day and night has been hurled down. But notice this, verse 11 says, They overcame him, the enemy, how? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And the last part of the verse is important too. It says, They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They gave their lives over to Jesus completely. But the blood of the Lamb and the word of their, of their testimony. You know, again, I think the enemy is saying, no, I don't want you uh, sharing your testimony. I don't want you, say, you know, telling anybody your story. Why? Because that defeats him. That's a powerful force against him. Of course, the blood of the Lamb comes first. Without Jesus dying on the cross, you know, what kind of, we don't have a story anyways, right? The blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they overcame him. So let me ask you again, do you have a story? Do you have a testimony? What is your story? I know 
what we think, and, and, and uh, I think this way too, you know, I'm not an evangelist. And that word evangelist is, is a pretty much direct correlation to the word good news. It's just uh, in English letters, it's a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, transliteration from the Greek to the English is evangelist. So you can say, well, I am not an evangelist. And you say, well, and I say, well, that's true. Uh, maybe that's true. The Bible talks about those that were, you know, gifted specially in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists. Peter, uh, no, excuse me, Philip was talked about in, in Acts chapter 21, verse 8, uh, as Philip the evangelist. So some perhaps are gifted in that way. I think it's, it's true we think of a guy like Billy Graham, right? That guy is like phenomenal. He's definitely been gifted as an evangelist. Somebody like Greg Laurie in our, in our current uh, uh, society. But you know what Paul told Timothy? We're going to get to this later. Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist, even though he might not be one. And it looks like he was more of a pastor-teacher kind of thing. But he says, do the work of an evangelist. You know, I think we all need to, to take those words to, to heart. Do the work of good news. Do the work of good news. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said that we, you and I, we, this family that Alex mentioned, we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world. Jesus said he was the light of the world, but he also said that we are the light of the world. Well, how does that work? Because of his light in our lives, then we are able to, to share light to those around us. We are the light of the world. We. I want you to turn with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you go ahead, just keep going ahead. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, this is Paul's example. And I wouldn't say that Paul was an evangelist either. He was definitely an apostle, we know that. He calls himself an apostle, a servant as well. But look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We try to persuade many. There was something he said, listen, we want to get this word. We want to spread the word. Jump down to verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We love that verse, don't we? We can quote that verse, many of us. We think about God has done a great work in my life. He's forgiven me of all the past. There's a new life within me. But, but when we think about the context here is that, yeah, if it is such a good, good thing, well, why would we want to keep that to ourselves? Look at verse 18. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave who? Us. 
the ministry of reconciliation, that God was, in, was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Forgiveness. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I don't, I don't, and I don't really honestly believe he was only talking about himself. I think he was talking about us, that we're ambassadors. Now, that's a pretty, pretty fancy title, isn't it? Ambassador Chapman. You know, they, you could be in the news with a name like that, right? But the truth is, if that's what he's called us to be, and the word literally means representative, to call us to be a representative and an ambassador. That we actually let people know, we actually make an appeal. You know, I, I, believe, I believe that God wants us to tell our stories to people and, and urge them. Try to persuade them. To make His appeal. So he says there, as though God were making his appeal through us. That he's going to use us to make an appeal to someone. Look at verse 14, though. Why would we do it? Look at verse 14. It says, for Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. Okay. So now we're, now we're all going, you know what? I am... I'm completely uh, defeated. I am completely, uh, you know, I'm not measuring up to any of this. This is way, way beyond me. It's, it, it is for somebody else out there. Well, you know what? I beg to differ with you because I feel the same way. But I believe we need to pray. I, need, I, I believe each one of us, we need to pray. We need to ask for that love of Christ to work within us. We need to ask the, the love of Christ to compel us. We need to, to pray and ask God for a, a burden for the lost. To ask Him to put that within us. Let's not just pretend. You know, there's enough of that already in the world and in the churches, and they're just pretending. I'm going to pretend that I'm so spiritual, and I have such a, you know, powerful this and powerful that. You know, God knew the woman at the well, everything about her. He knows everything about us, too, and he knows if we're just pretending. Don't pretend. I care, I care about lost people, but, but you know what? I don't have a burden for the lost people, so I've been praying and asking God, give me a burden for lost people. I've been reading a, a, a very interesting book about some of the uh, uh, Christians in the last uh, couple hundred years. And it stuck out to me, you know, when the writer was said, and this person, he had a, he had a, a heart for, for souls. He had a heart for lost people. And I said, I want that. I want that. Every one of us. It begins with prayer. Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, pray also for me. This is Paul the apostle, right? 
He said, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the good news for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I think Paul also had fear in his life. Any of you face fear when you think about you're going to tell someone about Jesus in your life? There's a fear thing. Paul said, pray. And he had others pray for him. If, if you know you're going to be in a situation where you really, you've been feeling like this, ask one of your friends, ask somebody to pray for you. Can you pray for me specifically about this? Because I want to share my story. I want to share about Jesus. It's powerful. Let me tell you what. The enemy would like you just, no, don't ask for prayer because he knows there's power in the prayer. That something powerful could happen. Power, that's what we need, right? That boldness. But again, it's not something that, that we just have. It's not something that we have within us. But we need that help from God. Let's turn back to Acts chapter 1. Back two books. Acts chapter 1. Good news of great joy. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Really, I like, I like what it says on, in verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Wait, don't even leave Jerusalem. Don't even go anywhere. You wait until you get this power that, that you need. And then in verse 8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be what? You'll be witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus knew that we couldn't do this. He knew that they couldn't go out and do it. He says, listen, you need to wait. You need the power. You need the Holy Spirit to help you do this. It's a spiritual thing. So praying for boldness, praying for a burden for the lost, we should also be praying for the power of God's Spirit to help us do that, to be His witnesses. See, he talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the power of the Spirit of God here, and we, we think it's all just for me. Nuh-uh. It's not what it says there, is it? You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and what? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit's power is for us to be able to be the witnesses about Jesus. So we pray. We pray for that burden for the lost. We pray for the power to do what we need to do. You read the life of, of D.L. Moody, who was one of the, uh, another, a gifted evangelist. But you read about his story, and there was, there was a, a couple of, of older gals that said to him, you know, you know uh, Mr. Moody, uh, there's just something missing in your ministry. There's something missing, not, not there. And he says, oh, really? Like, what is it? It's the power. It's that, that unction from God to be able to do it. 
We don't have that by ourselves. And I, I don't remember all the details of the story, but they prayed for him. And he prayed along with them. And God answered that prayer. And, and the, the rest, as they say, is history. The power of God's Spirit. Now, whether we're going to get up in front of a crowd of people or one person, we need to pray and ask God for those words. Don't just think, well, I've got it all down. I'm going to share the four spiritual laws with somebody. And, and, and no, it's a, it's a person's life we're talking about here. Turn back one more time with Mark chapter 8. We're almost to the end here. Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Kind of interesting, the verses before when, uh, when Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. We've got to get our thinking straightened out. Jesus took Peter, or Peter took Jesus aside and was rebuking him. No, wait, let's, get this, let's get this right. But look at verse 34. And then he called the crowd to him and, along with his disciples, and he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, that's the word good news. We'll save it. Are we willing to pay the price, to deny ourselves, take up our cross? Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It's the power of God. Challenging, isn't it? But if we really got some good news, you know, if we really understand the good news, if we really got the picture here, what we've been trying to talk about for the last three weeks and then today makes four, this is something that we need to let someone else know about, let other people know about. It says in Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the good news. Paul talked about preaching the gospel, the good news where Christ wasn't known. So back to the question is this, what's our story? What's our story? I really, really don't believe that we're called to be secret agents. Some of us act like that. Nobody knows you're a Christian? Really? Well, I'm a secret agent. I'm working on the inside. You know, serious business, isn't it? I want to just read to you, and these are probably the most convicting verses of them all in this in this uh, study. And I'm going to quote them to you. So listen, please. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 11 and 12. It says this: Rescue those 
being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. That's pretty serious, isn't it? He goes on to say, if you say, but we knew nothing about this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay each person according to what he has done? We can't say, listen, I didn't know. But the truth of the matter is, if we don't let people know, who will? Who will? One thing that I have made a commitment to is, is uh, here on Sundays that I'll always, in some way, shape, or form, share this gospel, this good news, and give people an opportunity. I try to do that every single Sunday. Give people an opportunity to respond. So maybe, maybe bring them here if you can. Now you think, well, I can't bring them here to listen to you because you're very weird. <laughs> bring them here. They're going to hear about Jesus. If they don't want to hear about Jesus, they won't come. They'll say, no, I don't want to. But I remember my friend said to me, you know what? He didn't, he didn't even like hammer me at all. As a matter of fact, he says, hey, you know what? There's this place. There's people there. There's music there. I liked music. There's young people there. I was young at the time. And I said, okay, I'll check it out. Because I knew in me that I was lost. I knew I was searching for, for reality and truth. I said, okay. And I went, and I heard. And I listened. I went a couple of times. I went back to college, actually. I was going to school about a couple hours away. Went back to college, and my life really wasn't going anywhere at all. I actually dropped out of college. I was working in a Holiday Inn in the, in the, in the restaurant, in the kitchen, washing dishes. My life was right on track. And I'm, I'm like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? I'm going home. So I packed it all up and said, you know what? You wash your own dishes. I didn't say that. <laughs> I packed it all up and I went home. But I wasn't home very long when I went back to that place and said, you know, I, got, I think I better go check it out some more. And I started going down there every week until I finally got to that place where I said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a chance. What have I got to lose, dishwasher and all? You know? And God has been faithful. Let me tell you what. He has been faithful to me. I know, I know you all have stories. Maybe we ought to have people giving their stories, uh, you know, every Sunday or every other Sunday. I'd like to do that. If you want to give your story, let me know. I'll, I'll let you have a chance to do it. If you can keep it to, you know, a recent, a decent amount of time, <laughs> whatever. Let's pray, shall we? Time is up. This is a brand new year we're coming into. Father, we, we commit ourselves to you, Lord, and, and we want to lose our lives for your sake and for the good news. For what else matters in this life? What else is, gonna, what else is going to be uh, fruitful? That we sell out to the world, that we sell out to the, the riches of this world, the, the popularity of this world, or, or we sell out to you and, and find that, that that's what really lasts. Just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Father, I pray for us as a fellowship that you would 
fire us up, set a fire in our, in our souls that we would uh, be a force in this very dark time, this very dark age, to be lights. That we know, we know something. We got some news. We've heard this news. And it's changed me. And God is working in me. Yeah, I got a long way to go, but, but he also told me that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. Bring it to the day of Christ Jesus. He's working in me. And it's a good story. It's a great story. There's no story like it. Father, I pray you'd give us each opportunities and those family members, those co-workers, students that we're around, Lord, that, that you'd give us, give us eyes to see, first of all, that, that people need to hear. Give us a burden, Lord, for those lost people around us, Lord, and, and then give us the power, the, that spiritual power, your Holy Spirit, to, to be the witnesses. Father, I pray here today as well for anybody who, who's never, who doesn't have a story yet. Maybe, maybe that's you as we're praying. Like A lot of this has gone like over your head, but you've heard that there's a story that could be had, and, and you want to have it. Well, today is a good day. It's a great day. You can, start a, you can start the new year with Jesus in your heart and life, your sins forgiven, eternal life being yours. And all you have to do is call upon his name. You can pray with me right now and say, Dear Jesus, I, I'm lost. I've got no story. i got a story all right, but it's bad. It's bad news. But I want good news in my life. I want a Savior. I want a Savior in my life. So if you really are who these people say you are, then prove yourself to me. Show me. Father, I know you're faithful, and I know you'll hear these cries, the prayers of our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen.